Coming up on Podcast 1532, Tesla's Magic Dock will be what enables third-party supercharging. We think we know, but I'll tell you what I know. Stick around. Also on the podcast today, EV sales globally hitting a new record. Polestar hitting some new delivery records as well. But Tesla losing one of its key people in terms of full self-driving, what it could mean uh, for the cars we drive. Well, those stories and a lot more coming up on the podcast today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you're listening in the world, welcome to EV News Daily, your trusted source of EV information. Friday, 15th of July today. My name is Martin Lee, and I go through every EV story so you don't have to. We'll start with that headline story. Tesla allowing other EV drivers to plug in at superchargers. How will they do it in the US? We don't know because we don't have an answer yet, but we think... We know because of the Magic Dock. The Magic Dock sounds like something that Apple, it's like straight out of Apple's playbook, like the Magic Keyboard. It's not that magic. It's a keyboard. Not that magic. It's a mouse. Anyway, the Magic Keyboard for $350 if you have an iPad. (laughs) Or get the Logitech one for like $50. Either way, out of the playbook of apple the magic dock from tesla could be how that's how they open up the the not just the it's the whole north american market isn't it in terms of tesla using their proprietary connector uh, in terms of charging other non-teslas drive tesla canada receiving some information last year about what tesla was working on the magic dock a built-in adapter to their existing superchargers so they keep the supercharger they keep the cable but they add an adapter to the end of the cable and that is the tesla connector to ccs connector Uh, There's now a photo of the Magic Dock, and in order to protect the identity of their source, who is sending them all these pictures, uh, once again, Drive Tesla Canada cannot publish it because it would give away who they are, I'm guessing. Uh, But a general idea of what it will look like and how it works, instead of the connector docking into the side of the supercharger, the Magic Dock which is just a CCS adapter, attaches to the top opening of the pedestal. So, you know on a Tesla supercharger where you put the cable back in, kind of put in that little holster, that connector, uh, that's where it will be. Uh, When not in use, the connector is docked. So a Tesla pulls up and takes out the cable, as they have done always, and plugs in their car. A CCS car turns up. You not only take out the cable and handle but with it comes the magic dock the connector what happens in terms of that locking into place i don't know i'm guessing it because otherwise people would steal them right so i'm guessing they must lock into the supercharger somehow and i guess the supercharger knows um, that when you turn up if you're in a tesla it'll release the tesla connector and if you are in a CCS car, it will release the Tesla cable and the adapter on the end of it. Either way, we think that's how they will get round opening up the supercharging network to non-Teslas sometime before the end of the year. Thoughts, theories, opinions? I'd like to hear from you. As always, these are just my ideas, by the way. I could be completely wrong. Normally am. Hello at evnewsdaily.com is my email address. 
now. Let's talk about all-electric vehicle sales. While the economy doesn't look so great, things are getting more expensive and cars are hard to buy, uh, Jalopnik points out that EV buyers don't seem to be bothered about that. They almost seem immune to inflation and the rising cost of living. While overall car sales in the first quarter of 2022 were down by 20%. 20%. Full battery electric vehicles were up by 13%. Wild, considering the supply chain shortages, the process of finding and buying an EV is a bit harder than it used to be at the minute. EV sales are up by 66% over Q1 of 2021. A huge difference, but I'm not surprised, and you probably won't be either. Uh, but if you account for the pandemic and the difficulty getting one of those cars, that is actually quite impressive. Uh, this kind of difference bodes well for the EV industry as a whole. Say, Jalopnik, I'll pop a link to all the numbers and figures in their article. Now, EV sales hitting a new record. Sales of battery-powered electric vehicles, pure EVs, that is, uh, jumping up in the US. And a record high, as I just mentioned, 13% increase from Q1. So we've now got the Q1 numbers. These aren't Q2. They're the first quarter of the year. And the Kelly Blue Book team has finished their best estimates of electrified sales. So there's your first giveaway. They've called it electrified sales. The full Q2 report, I'll link in the show notes, with model and brand level details. But... 10 quick takeaways. The Jalopnik article I just mentioned in terms of all electric vehicle sales being up 60%, that's the key number and that's the one that you want to pay attention to. The overall report that was issued in terms of the increase in sales of EVs, they've added hybrids to it. So this is a study done by Cox Automotive. Electric vehicles, electrified vehicles, plug-in vehicles, You need to differentiate between cars that have plug sockets on the side and not. And so when you say a car can be externally charged from clean, green, renewable sources, and within that you divvy them up, plug-in hybrids and pure electrics, it's so much easier to be able to draw some conclusions. When you put shabby hybrids in there, it makes it almost pointless. Like, all this work is kind of pointless from Cox. Either way, they say uh, that 10 quick takeaways. Uh, Tesla is the dominant player in the EV market, and that is very, very true. Sales of electrified vehicles jumped to 442,000 on the quarter in the US, uh, which is, you know, a decent number, but they have included hybrids, and they say fuel cell vehicles, which is like, it's in the hundreds, uh, and many of those go to, I think, uh, for testing and things like that. Fuel cell is just not a thing that they should even include. Either way, um, EV sales accounted for 5.6% of the US market, they say. But what does that mean? Like, when they say EVs are 5% of the market, 56 of the US market, is that EVs, or is that including hybrids? It makes a really big difference. And they say that electrified pickup trucks are growing in popularity. Well, yeah, but there's also some hybrid pickups. There's plug-in pickups as well. So messy, messy language in this. Um, A bit amateur hour and uh, kind of a bit five years old in terms of the language used around EVs and electrified vehicles because, you know, it's it's how EVs used to be described before we all got wise to how we should do it, call them plug-in vehicles. It's the language and methodology chosen by those that are trying to lump mild hybrids and shabby old hybrids into the same bracket as plug-in vehicles. So, you know, work to be done there, I would say, in terms of clarity of messaging. Uh, But always interesting to have a little chat about these things. Now, Panasonic is building a new factory, and they're going to build it in the US, and they're going to build it 
in Kansas. Panasonic Energy will develop the project at a property in Kansas to drive economic activity in the local area, they say. 4,000 good, well-paying jobs coming to the local area as Panasonic invests $4 billion. They have a site in DeSoto. DeSoto, is that how I say it? And they will expand their production of EV batteries as the industry shifts. The announcement comes five years after Panasonic began lithium-ion production, uh, battery production at Sparks in Nevada, alongside Tesla. Uh, that's now one of the world's uh, largest lithium-ion battery pa- uh, factories. Uh, they've shipped six billion cells from Nevada's Gigafactory, which is mega. And while their operations there will continue, the new facility in Kansas is nothing to do with Tesla, wholly owned by Panasonic, from what I understand, but probably supplying Tesla, if that makes sense, of their 4680 cylindrical cells. Polestar increases their deliveries by 125%. 21,500 vehicles in the first six months of the year. They were reiterating 50,000 electric vehicles for the full year. Now, in May, Polestar had lowered their target slightly from 65,000 units, again because of COVID lockdown in China, where Polestars are made, and also the global supply chain challenges they are facing. Right, coming up very soon, Hyundai uh, casting the Ionic 6 as a Model 3 rival, and why Rimats are going cylindrical with their cells. Stick around, those stories are on the way. Okay, some Tesla news now, and not a great bit of news for those hoping that full self-driving was just on the horizon because their head of AI and vision, their senior director in charge of artificial intelligence and computer vision, has left the company. Andre Karpathy is his name. He's appeared on Tesla events before. Not high profile, but well known, certainly within the Tesla community and one of those super brains within the company, of which I'm sure there are many in Tesla, uh, a little while ago took a extended leave of absence to go traveling for the first time and take a break from his work, which was always sus at the time, because if you're on the on the brink of solving full self-driving, as Elon Musk keeps insisting, has done for years, you don't take a three or four month sabbatical. That's not the time you do it. It is typically the, typically the way that people have left the company before. It's Tesla's playbooks. When they did it, everyone knew he's gone. That was the strong suspicion. No one's ever taken a sabbatical, as far as I know, and come back back. Uh, Jerome Guillen did rejoin the company after a period of time off with his family, but then left again. So senior people, that's just what Tesla's messaging is. Uh, taking some time off, go traveling, blah, blah, blah. And then a few months later, yeah, they've left the company. Uh, he's confirming on his Twitter, he is a goner. That's a huge loss for Tesla's autopilot team and for its full self-driving effort. Not because, I've seen all the news stories today, People are saying, oh, it's a disaster. He's left the company. What will Tesla do without him? I have no doubt Tesla have strength in depth, great people, and really good uh, people who will pick up on, on his work. But he joined Tesla more than five years ago to work on the neural net and the computer vision. And then he became a big part of their autopilot team, which Elon Musk for that time has been promising. A lot of jam tomorrow. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Now, back in March, he announced his sabbatical for four months. We knew he wasn't coming back. And now he confirms uh, that he is announcing today he's, he has left Tesla. The reason why it's bad news is because if they were close to full self-driving, if they were close to anything that resembled getting it out of beta and getting that on the roads, you you don't leave. You don't, you know, it's been a five-year mission. It's it probably, if, if he could have solved full self-driving, it would have been the defining moment 
of 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 a generation of his career. That's kind of Nobel Prize winning stuff. And if you're close, even if you're one or two years away, you don't leave. Even if you're like three years away, like you know there's a path, you don't leave your job because you're close. You're going to do it. You're going to solve this problem that no one else in the world has been able to solve. And so we like we don't know his personal life. He could have had some family things that he wants to go and do or something else or been offered a bazillion pounds. But I'm sure Elon Musk would have matched it if it was a money thing. So that's the concern is actually how far away are they to getting this technology out of beta and spread, you know, into other places like here as well over here in Europe. So a bit of a worry, but uh, we'll follow that progress. Right, moving on. Hyundai have unveiled their Ionic 6. And if you're thinking, haven't they unveiled it already? I would agree. Uh, there were many YouTube videos and uh, things a couple of weeks ago all about it when the journalists actually got to see the car. That was the unveiling. But either way, this is the official unveiling, apparently. <laughs> so what did they unveil? I think they unveiled the range, basically. Uh, the Ionic 6, we, we've, we've talked about extensively on this podcast already, 379 miles on WLTP, European test cycle, that's 610 kilometres. That's significant because it's significantly more than the Ionic 5. Uh, the Model 3 long range is 602 kilometres, so the Ionic 6 will be 610, so it'll beat Tesla. And again, same platform as the other cars from that company. So 800 volts, fast charging. Uh, Hyundai spending 10 billion US dollars by the middle of the decade to develop technology and uh, build a factory plant in in Georgia uh, and a facility there. So not quite sure what today's official launch was, but either way, we know a mileage number now, which is a very good thing. And the Ionic 6 is is a wonderful technology tour de force the styling of it is subjective isn't it uh, there's bits of it i'm not so keen on but otherwise gonna be a fantastic ev uh, talking about fantastic technology rimats is following tesla uh, with developing cylindrical cells and these are the 46 80 cells that Tesla are developing. Uh, Rimats, though, will develop a battery module platform around the 46 millimeter diameter, but they will change the height of the cells. I guess you can have lower ones for, or, uh, you, you know, low profile battery pack, or you could double stack them, that kind of thing. Um, and it gives you more options. It hasn't got to be 46, 80, the 80 millimeters. Uh, they'll develop their own cylindrical cells. They're good reasons to use cylindrical cells, good reasons to use prismatics and pouch cells. I guess it depends on on what you're doing. Rimat's also confirming series production has started of the Nevera. After five full years of development and testing, uh, Rimat's has now started production of the series version of their hypercar, Nevera. 50 examples of it per year will be made by hand until they get to 150, the same number as the Pininfarina Batista, limited to that many sales. The final assembly itself takes five weeks to do. Many of the parts and components actually made by Rimats themselves, uh, machined in their own factories. Delivery starts soon, they say. Uh, they've got 25 official partners, dealers, if you like, around the world who will do that. Uh, the first year of Nevera production is sold out. I thought they were all sold out, by the way. 
And over the last five years, they've had three generations of powertrain technology developed, 18 prototypes, 45 crash tests, and 1.6 million development hours invested. What an amazing vehicle. Now, in Texas, the power grid woes that Texas has suffered before, suffering again, hitting the likes of Tesla and Toyota. As a lengthy heat wave sears, Texas and the state's power grid operator can't meet demand, so they're reducing usage from industry. Toyota, Samsung and Tesla have all made moves to wind down their business a bit and curb electricity usage. The power grid operator in Texas, ERCOT, taking steps earlier this week to avoid rolling blackouts, asking industry to scale down what they do. And finally, General Motors and Pilot Plan are going to get together to build a charging network. Over the next several years, up to 500 of these DC fast charging stations will be installed as Pilot and Flying J. That's a travel centre. Uh, as part of the collaboration with General Motors and EVgo, uh, that was announced on Thursday earlier this week. I haven't rushed to report it, by the way, because... Uh, you know, it, this is a good announcement, but it's not like General Motors are putting in all of the money themselves. I imagine GM are putting in none of the money themselves. I imagine this will be part of the federal infrastructure project, which is needs a a, a a lot of partners to work and build out these charging projects, for instance. And so I'm guessing that it's part of the $7.5 billion federal EV charging infrastructure build-out by the DOT, uh, so they want DC fast charges every 50 kilometres, uh, 50 miles in the US, and about a mile off the, the main roads. So all well and good that GM are lending, lending their name to these 500 DC fast charging stations, but I don't think it's them putting their hand in their pocket and saying, we're going to build a charging network. Right, that's your podcast for today. Question of the week will return after a short break. Email any of your feedback to hello at evnewsdaily.com and you can email me about anything you like. And thanks to our premium partners, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Brad Crosby, Porsche of The Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii. Derek Riley has a brilliant YouTube channel called EV Review Ireland. You're subscribed, right? Yeah, of course you are. Uh, Richard runs RSEV down here in New Milton on the south coast. Uh, RSEV UK. You can buy and sell EVs in the UK. Octopus Electric Juice kindly support the podcast. Uh, they make public charging simple. You've got one card, one map, one app. It's all you need. You can charge your car. And, of course, the gang at milbrookcottages.co.uk. Five-star luxury cottages in Devon. You can book that online. Go to milbrookcottages.co.uk. Have a good one. See you tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.